Hey Vintage Family, um, welcome back to another online gathering and wanted to kind of touch base with everybody. I know that we've been trying to send information out and um, apologize for us having to cancel last minute on a Wednesday night. We were bummed about that, but I think any of us that have moved ever, number one, know it's potentially one of the worst things ever, um, A. B, sometimes there's just things that are out of our control and we're going to learn how to weather through them. It's interesting that we're in this position because um, what we're going to talk about in this session really, I think, plays into how we go through difficult seasons. We're closing out chapter one in James. I think chapter one, if we just wanted to put like a, a big overarching idea around it, chapter one is really about the disciplines we are to have as disciples, the things we are to practice in our life to follow Jesus or uh a friend of mine out in Oregon pastors a church, and I love it when he says it this way. He just says to learn how to walk in the way of Jesus. I think these last couple of verses contain, at least for me, what are really difficult concepts to face in our faith. And they seem to be highlighted in times of difficulty. Verse 26, we'll say it this way in chapter one. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. I just want us to take a second, let that sink in. All of the scriptures are fantastic to learn from, but there are times where just the strength of a statement kind of catches us. And for me, this is a statement that catches me. The word claim here means to consider oneself. It's the idea of viewing yourself in a certain manner. Uh, we could say it this way. Um, if somebody claims to be athletic, they view themselves as an athlete. They view themselves as fit or something like that. Same idea. If you claim to be religious, the word religious here means to fear God. It, it doesn't carry the same stigma that we often attach to fearing the Lord. It actually uh, carries a, a little bit maybe more general idea of just being a person who says, yeah, I'm a follower of God. So basically, here's James's lead in. If you think you're a follower of Jesus, but, and what's the, what comes after this, but is so important, but you don't control your tongue. The word here for control means to have in check under a bridle or under full control. The picture in the Greek is a, a bit in the mouth of a horse. And what, what that if you, if you know anything about the way uh, a bridle or a bit works with a horse or, or any kind of animal, it's a mechanism that's put at a spot where just a, a simple pull or a simple tug can lead that animal in a direction. This is the idea that James is talking about here. Really, the best way for us to understand it is it's the idea of being in total control of something. So let's keep putting it together as, as James is saying it. We'll use our own language to help it make sense. If you think you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't have full control over what you speak. And instantly for me, I'm like, I, I, what happens inside of me is, oh, wow, this is, um, this is a big idea. This is a place where maybe you're like me and, and quick wit that, that leans into the critical world. Um, I, I would say it this way. I think I was gifted with, with, with cynicism and sarcasm. And instantly as I read this, it causes me to have to take a deep breath and say, 
Okay, so what's coming next concerns me. He says, if you think you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't have full control over what you speak, you're fooling yourself. The word here means to beguile or cheat. It's a much bigger word than fooling, the way we would use it. It's a word that means deception, to undermine something. So consider that. He says, you're undermining yourself. You're cheating yourself. And your religion is worthless. The root word here for worthless is to be devoid of force. So what he really says is you're cheating yourself and your religion doesn't have any power. If we put that all together, what it, what it shows us is that our ability, your my ability, our willingness, let's call it that, to control our speech has a direct effect on both the validity of our fear of the Lord and our ability to walk in the fear of the Lord. That tells me that what comes out of our mouths matters to the Lord. And I know that's an incredibly hard thing to swallow. I've been chewing on this for a few weeks knowing it was coming up and had a, had a time with the Lord uh, one morning and I was wrestling through this verse and I felt like the Lord just started to lean in on it and said, hey, he said, hey, you're, there's a bigger point here than just what comes out of your mouth. In Luke 6, 46 through, 44 through 46, Jesus makes a statement that I love. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This word abundance means overflow. The principle is really clear. The mouth, and I want, you to, I want us to catch this as a family, the mouth follows the heart. So biblically, the heart deals with the center of a person. It's, it's the essence. It's the mind. So later in James, we're, as we keep studying this, we're going to find him making a challenge to the church. And, and the challenge is this, whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's of good report, think on these things. Why? Because the management of our hearts is really about managing our mental posture by choosing to fix our minds on the right things. That's a big idea. The management of our hearts is really about managing our mental posture by choosing to fix our minds on the right things. So what I see here that's really important for us is I can't manage my tongue unless I'm managing my posture. Okay, so we're going through this tumultuous season of trying to transition spaces and there's there's just tons of difficulty coming up and it feels like at times every day has a new challenge and maybe you've been in a season like that. Maybe it's in, for you work is that way. Maybe for you it's just this whole COVID thing where you just feel rubbed by everything that's going on and you feel almost almost emotionally offended by just the situation. Maybe it's political for you. Maybe everything you see on the news right now is causing you to feel like you just want to speak to it. And I want to challenge us as a family. And I, I could not be more serious. We have to learn to manage our mental posture by choosing to dwell on the right things, to think on the right things. Because I can't manage my tongue unless I'm managing my posture. So if I don't manage my mental posture, I'm actually robbing myself of the ability to live and move in the fear of the Lord. Maybe a simple way for us to remember it is this. We have to win the mind game. Jesus says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if we're going to follow our Savior in this, we have to realize that he talks all the time about controlling what we dwell on controlling what we think about, controlling what we allow ourselves to think about, and then 
being willing to control and discipline what we're willing to say. What I see in, in, in this verse is a very specific focusing by James because he moves from this generalized statement of obey the message of the gospel to the theme of the mouth. And that tells me that my ability, your ability to control our mouth gate, let's call it the mouth gate, things that come out of it. That's probably the place that I'm most likely to forfeit my fear of the Lord. Maybe you can do this with me. I, I did this this week. If you step back and ask yourself, if I was the enemy, if I was the devil, where'd be the easiest place to hurt the church? I would love to suggest an answer that we might not want to hear. The easiest place to hurt the church is with its mouth. And so I'm, my, my heart cry for us is that we as a people get alone with Jesus, begin to cry out and have the courage to discipline ourselves so we can learn how to put on the divine mouth of Christ where I'm only willing to let the things come out of my mouth that honor him, that build. I, I cannot explain to you how much uh, I feel the weight of this personally. This is just a massive challenge. It's not that we're wrong to see things that we want to speak to. I know there's a lot going on in our culture right now that we want to speak to. But maybe we should view it through a different lens. Maybe the lens is, am I willing to forfeit the control of my tongue because of my irritation at what I see or my opinions? I might want to suggest that controlling the tongue isn't just about what we say. It's about actually what we communicate. All forms of communication, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or being on the phone with somebody or shooting a text or an email, that what comes out of us, the communication coming out of us matters deeply to our Savior. And so James will finish out chapter one with verse 27. He says, pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. So he leaves this long dialogue about the way we are to follow the Lord and the things we are to watch for. And he says, look, this is what's pure. This is what's going to last. This word pure and undefiled means without blemish. It literally is, is, to is to be perfect without a mark. When I first read through this and was studying through James chapter 1, my first thought was this seems really grossly out of the logic pattern that he's been addressing. Why would he put this here? But the word religion, as I broke it down and studied it, actually means external observance. It's a word that points to the lives we live outside of ourselves. So it, it's, it points to the way the world views our life. And it's a word that puts the focus on, I could say, I'd like to say it this way, how we live in the marketplace, how we live in Fort Collins, how we live in Loveland, how we live in Windsor, how we live at Colorado State University, how we live at Fort Collins High School, how we live in the population. And I would love to suggest there's a reason that James adds what I think at first was a strange sentence here. He's, I think he's trying to communicate a very real consequence that the lack of personal discipleship can have. 
Because all, all through chapter one, he's dealing with personal discipleship and really what it looks like to live the life of faith. And so here, I think he sums it up and says, I want you to understand what's at risk if we don't discipline ourselves as followers of Jesus to live the way he says to. A lack of discipleship draws our attention to something other than our mission. Our lives become consumed by things other than what the Lord wants. I look at the orphan and widow, that phrase, and they really would typify people that can't care for themselves. They're situationally handicapped. And James says, we are to be people that live in the marketplace with compassion flowing out of us into those that are situationally handicapped. And by staying focused on just the simple purity we find in following Jesus, that's how we refuse to let the world corrupt us. So I just see James bringing all this back to a really simple statement saying, look, follow Jesus, live the disciplines of Jesus, just do what he says, live how he says, don't do the things he says not to do. Manage your attitudes, manage the overflow of your heart, be careful of what comes out of your mouth and spend your life loving on people that are in a situation that can't help themselves and extend the gospel that way. And if that's the case, if I'm seeing it right, this call to the movements of discipleship mean we're putting on the disciplines of Jesus personally so that we can therefore give our energies to the world around us because we have been left here to be examples to them. So maybe our capacity to change the world for his kingdom is directly linked to our willingness to change ourselves before him. Love you guys. I'm going to close this out. So Lord, um, I feel like every week we, we dive into James and there's just this weight and this conviction and this sense of uh, almost heaviness at times about what it looks like to really follow you. And so I don't want to leave us in that place, but Jesus, instead, we just want to lay before you this idea of learning to control our posture and set our minds on you. Holy Spirit, this week, would you draw our our hearts, would you invite us, would you whisper? And just in, in those moments where we're losing perspective and we're, and we're losing focus, would you just invite us just to fix our eyes on you, to discipline ourselves, to just not let it come out of our mouth, that negative thing, that critical thing. And Lord, this week as we walk around the city and we go to work and we're just in all the different places that, that we're going to go, would you begin to highlight those people who are in situations that they can't really help themselves and give us opportunities to step into that pure, undefiled religion? Lord, in all of this, we trust you. We trust you with this process we're in as a family, kind of in between homes, excited about what, what the future holds, but trying to figure out stuff in the midst of this, this pandemic season. All of that, we just lay before you and say, we want to come back to the simple, simple beauty of just being in love with you and, and following you. May your face shine upon us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.